This is the 10th and final All Radius Sunday of the year, so really glad to be with you. It was fun the other night to be with all of you at the Advent service. If you missed it, you missed it. The amphitheater in Lexington was packed. It was just a really fun time to be together, all six campuses in one place. Uh, We titled it The Weary World Rejoices. And what a great title for right out of a hymn from Christmas for a year that our world is certainly weary. I read this this great simple line in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So the world is weary, and yet God's promise of entering into his rest, a place to have peace, it still stands. It's particularly fun, like Advent service, if, if, if you weren't there, I'll just give you a couple like highlights. It's just fun for me to get to hear from all of our different places and different personalities. Trey led off. He, he's on stage. I don't know if you know Trey out at Saluda. And he's doing his hand like this, and he's saying, behold, and he's saying it really loud. It's great. Like for some of y'all, you can only understand half of Trey's words, but it's just cool to think about what God's done in Saluda through Radius Saluda to bring rest to their community. Then we had a, a, a student from Southside. I don't know if you, you got, if you were there, you saw Jesse. She came up and she sang a little bit, and then, and then she shared some stuff about Jesus. And it, it's really cool to think that there's a light downtown, Radius Southside, right near the campus that is holding out this rest that's still available. His rest still stands to a world, to a world that's weary. Lindsay from Lexington closed out the, the singing with this King of Kings song and kind of this, this where everybody kind of jumped in. It was the loudest we sang all night, just celebrating the fact that the King of Kings joined us on this planet and made a way for us to, to participate in his rest. Maloney got up. We like to make fun of Maloney uh, because he had a little struggle reading some on the screen, but but we make fun of him because, of, because, because he's easy to make fun of, but even more so because of what God's been doing at Centerville. It's been fun to watch his leadership. It's been fun to see him move into that leadership spot, and God began to grow up this body, this team out there at Centerville. Y'all crushing it, and we're taking rest to the world out there. Some of the hardest stories, man, White Knoll had a difficult year, and yet there's this group of shepherding elders over there that have held it together and really, really made it even more healthy over the course of 2021. We got to introduce their new pastor at the Advent service. His name's John Patak. You, you guys are going to love him. If, when you get to see him in one of these events, be sure to encourage him to say hello. They're gonna, he's going to lead them well into 2022, but I couldn't help but last night just be proud of the fact that these men and women at Radius White Knoll have held that thing and positioned it well because they believe in the White Knoll community needs to be exposed to the rest that Jesus offers to a weary world. Then maybe you saw Patrick. He got to stand on stage for a minute or two and represent Radius Irmo. Radius Irmo didn't have a building. The rest of us do. They set up this morning. They're doing this, but they set it all up. They do it every week. They're grinding, and it's... uh, Man, it's fun, but it's difficult. Why? Why, why do that? Why, why take their time and put it into this thing over and over and over? Well, the hope is, there's no guarantees, but the hope is that more and more folks in, in Irmo and in that part of our town will come 
and hear about Jesus, certainly this time of year as a baby, but hear about Jesus and enter his rest that's still available to them. No matter how weary, no matter where they came from, no matter what else is going on, they can enter that rest. At Radius, if you've been with us for a while, when we do the All Radius Sunday, we kind of try to capture all that's going on and then just jump into the Word. Just to remind you who Radius is. Radius Church exists to glorify God by making disciples, planting churches, and living generously. And at the end of the year, we always take one really strong shot at living generously. We run this, what we call it, a Give Hope campaign. And really all we do is those of us that have the rest that Jesus has trusted us with, we take our resources and we pool them and we share them with others. Through the years, we've developed partnerships. We have the partnerships with school counselors, teachers, administrators. We have partnerships with other organizations in our community that get funds to the folks that are most needy. We've been thrilled with that process. Through the years, we've gotten better at better at vetting them and getting those funds to the right places. You just got to see the video of Anthony, a, a partner down at Radio Southside, who's got a great relation at, at Eau Claire. And, and man, it's, this is what we're all about. Uh, hopefully you smiled when that, thing, when that video ended because that's a part of you living out our mission, taking the rest of Jesus Christ to a weary world. Cheryl and I, we've already determined how much we're going to put in that pot. That'll go in this week. If you, would, if you would, pray with your family. And it's a cool thing to involve your kids in. Like, how do we want to help others? And what kind of financial gift do we want to make toward Give Hope this year? As uh, we make a little noise in our community um, in, in a positive way for those in need. What's happened through the years, it wasn't really intended, is that there's this noise made and it kind of it creates this trust. There's already stuff popping up on the Internet today. Now, we're not talking about what we've done. Other folks are talking about what we've done. And it just establishes this trust that we are not about ourselves, we're about others. It gives us the opportunity to point people to Jesus. So if you want to participate, we'd love to have you. And right now, what I would love to do is just lead all six campuses in prayer and thank the Lord for all that he's done with us and through us over the course of 2021. You know us, Lord. We, some of us are truly weary this morning. Some of us, even as we look at Christmas rolling up, don't know how we're going to get it all done. I pray in our little time together this morning that you would slow us down, let us uh, enjoy each other, and more importantly, Lord, that you'd meet us in these moments. And for those of us that know you, you would remind us of this rest that you provided. Lord, that we would claim that promise and walk out of this room a lot lighter than we walked in. We are thankful, Lord, for what you've done over the course of 2021. In light of all the chaos in the world, you have walked us through it. You've been good to us. You provided us with uh, great folks to work with. Lots of opportunities to, to uh, be generous to others. And at the same time, you've blessed us with things like buildings and, and uh, leaders and all sorts of gifts that you've trusted us with. Thank you for all of it, Lord. We celebrate what you've done in 2021. We, uh, we look forward to building on top of it by your grace in 2022. 
Please, please bring your word to life now as we read it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in a year where there is much division and the word hate gets thrown around all over the place, uh, really since the election, right? Like it has just been chaotic politically. It's been uh, chaotic because of COVID. There's been all this chaos. When, when I review 2021 in my mind, and, and even back into 2020, just one of the things I'm most proud of us, and this is credit to, to you right, right there in your seat, is that we've stayed together. That uh, at Radius, we fought to stay together, even though some of us don't agree on all the things that are out there. This passage in Ephesians, written to the church, about the church, right? Remember, Paul is writing to these people in a town called Ephesus, and we call the book Ephesians because they are Ephesians. Like they, the, he, that's who the people are. He's writing to them. They're the church. He's writing this letter, and he's teaching them about them. Like he's saying, this is, we, we, we've been using the phrase we are because the church, we are the church. This particular passage just emphasizes the fact that we are one. It's kind of fun having six campuses and we're all one. We're one church. We, we, are, we do some stuff completely together. But the truth is, there's a variety of churches right here in each of our towns that we pray for in the same way that we would pay, pray for one that starts with the name Radius. Because we are one. We're connected to them because of Christ. We're united with him, and so we're connected. And this passage just brings that to light. The people of God are supposed to be the people most at rest. And so unity is supposed to come easy to us. Verse 11 of chapter 2, I'll read it to you. Man, I, I really want to review the beginning of the book, book and chapter because it's so good. But let me just jump right in. Here's what it says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises of God, promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now... You have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. <laughs> you talk about the race conversation. Paul just gets right to it, puts it right in front of them. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles, he calls them Gentiles, calls them what they are, two sects, right? The Jews and the Gentiles. Pretty, pretty basic division between folks. You're either Jewish or you're not. If you're not, you're a Gentile. And then he actually uses the slur that the Jews would have used for the Gentiles. He uses it, uncircumcised heathens. You can't imagine anybody talking like that these days. Everybody would be so nervous with this conversation if we were to use any slur of any sort. Paul just puts it out there. He calls them Gentiles and he calls them uncircumcised heathens because that's what the Jews Jews would call them, and then he calls out the Jews. He goes, the Jews are circumcised. They keep all this law, but it doesn't really affect their heart. It's just their activity, and so there's, there's this deep depravity uh, uh, among all. 
He summarizes for the Gentiles what they've been missing out. He says they're living apart from Christ. They, they have no Messiah. They have no citizenship. They have no covenant promises of God. They're without God and they're without hope. So he brings right in front of these folks in, in Ephesus, right? Some of them are Gentile and some of them are Jewish. He brings the race conversation like right out in front of them and, and he just talks about it openly. In reality, he just says you're all separate from God. And you'll see that more in the passage to come. But if you review back, he's, he's been reminding them that they're adopted as God's children, that they've been redeemed by Christ's blood, that they're connected by the power that Christ has trusted to all who believe. And in, in the earlier part of this chapter, he actually says that we were raised from the dead. So we're a group of people who are alive, making us different from all others. And so, uh, man, when you think about Jew and Gentile, one being far away from God and one not, you, 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 really the truth is they're all fall far away. And if, if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic in the room, unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile. You are, you are far from God. So it's real easy to kind of get caught up in the race conversation and really try to establish, establish who we are, our identity by either the color of our skin or the culture that we carry. Where in this passage, he's making a very simple distinction. Jew, Gentile, but then even more so those that have peace with God and those who don't. Check it out, verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us, Jew and Gentile. Paul's a Jew. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of his hostility that separates us. So it's this beautiful concept where he takes all races and throws them into one pot. And... uh, He makes this statement that we were all separated from God. None of us had peace or rest, and Christ brought peace to us. And then he says, when he brought peace to us, when he brought rest to you, he actually united you across racial lines, across cultural lines. He says, united the Jews and the Greeks into one people. We are one. There's a word in here, it's hostility. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. A better way to say hostility might be hate. A word that's thrown around left and right, uh, certainly on the political uh, news outlet of your source. They they use the word hate one way or another. There's this enmity between Jews and Gentiles in in that day. There's enmity today between races or cultures or or, uh, political factions. There's this enmity in it. And it divides us. What causes the hate in this passage? What causes the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles? What's the passage say? He actually says he did this. He broke down the hate by ending, verse 15, the system of law with its commandments and regulations. So there's hate. God knocked down the wall of hate. He knocked it down by ending the systems, these systems and regulations of the law. So it's really interesting because I don't know about you, but if you've read the Old Testament, the law was a gift. It was a gift uh, to the people of Israel. Their job was to actually live out the law. It set them apart. They had these clean laws. They had this variety of laws. And it was supposed to not only be a gift to them, but it was supposed to be a gift to the world. So God gives them the gift of the law. And what does it do to them? It makes them proud and arrogant. And eventually, they become puffed up. 
and they despised the Gentiles who don't even know the law. That their job was to live out the law in such a beautiful and healthy way that the whole world, the Gentiles, the rest of the world, would follow the same God that they followed by proselytizing and, and converting to Judaism. It was, it was their job. Instead, they despised the Gentiles. They're constantly spewing hate at the Gentiles, and eventually the Gentiles hate them back. They despised them for being despised. This has happened throughout history. There's been blood spilled all over the earth because uh, one man despised another, oftentimes because of systems. In this case, actually this great gift from God, the law, puffed men up, and then they, they looked down on everyone else, and it divided. And many, many, many folks died because of that division. These days we throw out, like you, you, you pick your news outlet, I'll make you a little nervous. We throw out systems like socialism and everybody freaks out on one side. And we, we throw out systems on the other side, capitalism or, or if you, usually those networks like you, the word racism because that gets more effect because people spend money to read these sites. If you throw those words out, it'll make your blood boil on either side. of the, They're systems, right? They're, they're systems. They're man-made systems. Sometimes well thought out and put on paper, and sometimes actually just connected to flawed hearts. So what ends up happening is that we, we, we divide over those things, and, and man, you, you name the country, there's been blood sped, I can't say that, blood spilled because uh, of someone's allegiance to a system, and when they committed to that system, they had to hate someone else. Uh, Tim Keller's got this message, pretty funny. He's, he uh, tells us there's this man, he's found on an island all by himself. Everybody's got this story, right? Not true story. And when they found him, they found the shack that he built on, on, the, uh, on the island. And, and they asked him, why did he build this shack? And he goes, I said, well, I'm a, I'm a religious man. I love God and I needed a place to worship. So he built this, this little church building. Right, right there on him, beautiful, right? Like this, this dude was, he had take, made that priority in his time on his island while he's surviving to worship God. And then after a little bit of time, they saw this other shack. It was on the other side of the island. And they asked him what it was. And he goes, that's a church too. And they, they asked him, why, why'd you build the second church? You only need, you're one man. You only need one church. He goes, you got to have one church you love and one church you hate, <laughs> which is embarrassing. It's uh. It's funny, and it's a little bit true, is it not? Like, just slow down for a minute. If you're a follower of Jesus, and ask yourself that question, do you know who you are without having something that you hate? Like, do you know what your identity is without looking at that and saying it's wrong? <laughs> Like ideally, as we read this passage, as Christ has designed this because of the way he's redeemed us and saved us, we're supposed to be about him. He's supposed to be our identity. We read in the passages before, just just last week, that our only boast is in the cross of Christ. Years ago, uh, my best friend from college got married. He got married in New York City. Carl and I, we played basketball together. Uh, we were next door neighbors on the hall. We spent tons of time together, so we, we were really close. 
I'm a white guy from South Carolina. Carl's a black guy from St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and, and we go to each other's houses over break and hang out. Matter of fact, one time Carl called me. He goes, you remember where we used to play ball when we went to St. Louis? He goes, that was Ferguson. We were playing ball in Ferguson. And so we've been in lots of situations where I was the only white guy or he was the only black guy. We just love each other, still love each other today, keep you, keep you up with each other. So I go to his wedding. Uh, I'm married at the time, and he, I'm the best man. And he's marrying Haiti. I think Haiti's Dominican. I'm not positive, but with some Hispanic, uh, Hispanic influence. So, so here I am, the white guy at, at a pretty diverse wedding. And the tradition is that the best man picks up the bride and gets her to the wedding. So exactly what I did. I'm in New York City. First of all, I barely know how to drive in New York City. I remember parallel parking and being pretty intimidated. I get parallel parked. I go up to Haiti's apartment. And I mean, like, we're right on time. I'm there right on time <laughs> because that's how we roll, right? Like, and and uh, she, she ain't dressed yet. She ain't dressed for the wedding. She's going to get pictures taken in the apartment before we go to the wedding. I don't know about you, but you, if I was smart enough, even at 23 or 4, however I was, you don't say nothing to the, to the bride. You just take one for the team. And so this thing, and I'm watching my, my, my watch. I'm like, oh, my goodness, we are going to be late to the wedding. I mean, it just went on and on. And I sat there, and I waited. And then we, 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 loaded, we finally loaded up the car, and we got to the wedding. I mean, I mean, nobody missed Nobody. We were way late. I mean, for 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 the culture I come from, like it was ridiculous late. My mama would have gone home by now. Like my mama would have been crying, thinking she's not coming by now. Everybody was there. Come in, beautiful wedding. If you know Carl and Haiti, the, the, the wonderful people. The entire time was just a blast, right? Like, but it was it was this moment where, for me, coming from a culture that I come from, it was it was shocking. It it threw me back. You know what happened though? There was this, I love Carl and I loved Haiti because she loved Carl. I just decided to enjoy it. Like I could have chosen in that moment and looking back on it, I'm kind of surprised. I was nervous about being late, but just enjoy it. Like, like our cultures represented that one thing, like how, what time the wedding starts differently. And the temptation is to try to elevate my culture instead of enjoying my best friend. It's not that complicated often. If we could just humble ourselves instead of trying to hold ourselves up and needing something over there to hate or hold back and just enjoying it. Man, well, I'm walking back to my car. We're all done. Reception was a blast, as you can imagine. Walking back to my car. I have no idea. It's been two hours, right, since the wedding was supposed to start. And, uh, I'm walking back to my car, and this couple gets out of their car, and they're walking down the sidewalk. Here I am, South Carolina boy. I cannot hide it with this accent. I say hello to them. I'm like, where y'all going? And they, we're going to the wedding. I'm like, whose wedding? Carl and Haiti. They're two hours late. Like, they're going to be there in time. Like, the anthropologists would say that in different cultures, some of them value time more, and some of them value the event more. And you, you could really argue both ways. I think it's real easy if if you get tired of the white guy, like, like why, why is the white guy so stiff? Like, you know, and then the white guy's like, no, I'm efficient. It, 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 you kind of hold that up. And then, then there's this, this flip side where why, that, 
People should be on time. It feels like they're lazy, and then you start looking down that way, or you start looking down that way, and you take your culture, and you moralize it, and you hold it up high as if it's connected to the authority of God. Oftentimes, we do these things because we don't know who we are, so we need somebody to hate or to hold down or think less of. Uh, because our identity is not in Jesus. All over the world, these things operate differently. And Man, it is just good. It was a good day for me to let the cultures collide and just enjoy it and enjoy the people that I love so much. Man, I want that for Radius. That's what this passage, he's saying, man, look, he goes, Paul's saying, I've ended the system of the law with its commandments and regulations, and I made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself a new people, one group. We are one. Oh, that's some crazy good news. You talk about some people that have been welcomed into rest. What would the world look like if we were all identified to Jesus and not to these other things that we call first? Check this verse out. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. How you like that? Our hostility, our hate toward one another, our, our self-righteousness toward one another, the thing that makes me feel better than you, it was put to death on the cross. And then verse 17, which I think is amazing. He brought the good news of peace to you, me, you and me, most of us, Gentiles who were far from him, and the peace to the Jews who were near. Notice, the Jews didn't have peace even though they were near to God. And he brought the good news of peace to the Gentiles who were far from God. Now, I don't know if you know how the temple worked. You read this passage, you can't help, if you know how the temple worked, to think about the temple. So, so in the temple, if you'll go with me, like, like here's the Holy of Holies. We'll put that like in the back room. Holy of Holies, where God resides. That's how the temple in, in, in uh, Jerusalem was built. And then right outside the temple, you have this, the court of the priest. There's a wall that, I mean, there's a curtain that separates the Holy of Holies from the court of the priest. Thick, big, huge curtain. And then there's a wall, and then there's the court of the Jews, or the court of Israel, I believe it's called. And then there's, ladies, <laughs> that's just for men. And then there's another wall, and there's, the court for women. There's a couple rooms here and there. And then there's this outer wall that goes all the way around the building. And outside the outer wall, they call it the court of the Gentiles. So I don't know if you picked up on it. There's a bunch of walls. There's a curtain and there's a bunch of walls. When you read this passage, you cannot help but think about that temple and God being center of the back of the building, separated from all mankind, Right? So when you remember this, if you've grown up in church and maybe you've heard this story, Jesus is hanging on the cross. What happens to that curtain in the Holy of Holies? When Jesus dies on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this thing's coming to the end. He says, it is finished. When he says it is finished on the cross, the curtain tears. And guess what? No more separation between man and God. For Christ himself brought peace to us, verse 14. He brings peace to us. Guess what else happened? Well, that curtain just opens the way to the priest, and there's a wall behind the priest that separates the priest 
from everybody else. What does Hebrews say? It says that you and I, if we've believed in Jesus, that we're priests. All of a sudden, we belong in that room. And then you kind of come out into this room of male Israelites. All of a sudden, man, man, there's all this confusion when you get to 1 Corinthians because ladies are, are elevated in society, created equal to God. We've talked about this forever, made in the image of God, but now being recreated in Christ, even more so equal to man. And then you got this racial separation between the Jews and the Gentiles and the outer courts. Man, when the curtain's torn, the walls to the priest get torn down, the walls of gender get torn down, the walls of race get torn down because. But we've all been reconciled to God through Jesus, and so the focus is not on what makes us different, but what makes us alike. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We've been adopted as sons of God. We've been raised by God from the dead. We were dead and now we're alive. We're set apart in this world. We're together in this. That's some good news right there. He broke down the walls of hostility. So you can imagine that curtain tearing in the, in the, in the uh, temple and all the walls falling down. The hostility that made us compare with one another. All gone. The healthiest Christians. The healthiest ones. The most mature. I want you to hear it. The most mature Christians don't battle with this comparison addiction that causes us. I mean, hate's probably a strong word. But they're just not angry at somebody else because they're not comparing They know that they were lost and they've been saved. And so they live at peace, says the passage. They have rest, says Hebrews. They have rest with God. So I'm a Christian first. You hear me talk anywhere. I get identified as a Southerner. You come down the list. I get identified. uh, People call me a coach or they ask me if I'm in the military because of the way I talk. I get these identifications. They meet Cheryl and see the six kids that I got, and they, they, they identify me as a father. Many of you are identified with all sorts of things. Let me tell you something. We're connected because we're identified with Jesus, and I'm a Christian first. I love our nation, but I'm an American second. I'm a Christian first. I'm an athlete. I'm not sure I'm still an athlete. I'm an athlete second. That's not that important. I'm I'm a Christian first, and that that comes far ahead of even being a father and a husband. It certainly does not matter what my politics are or what my view on how my kids are going to be schooled. Never divide over something like that with someone that I have the commonality of the Holy Spirit shared with. This creates a deep humility among believers. And really, when we talk about radius, all radius, all radius Sunday, the hope is that that is the noise that we make in our community, that we are at rest. And when they see the people that know Jesus at radius, there's this humility about us, that we're for the other churches in our towns. <laughs> we're, 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 we're not up in arms all the time about every issue. We're not boasting about anything but this walk that we have with Christ. Read it to you one more time. We'll quit. Verse 16. Together as one body, 
Christ reconciled both groups of God, both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. So on Sunday, when we get together like this, we look over. Most of y'all have bread and juice front and, front and back often. We come up and we take it as we recognize that our sins were put to death on the cross with Jesus. He says it multiple times in this passage, which united us to him, which makes it possible for us to house the Holy Spirit and communicate with God. So we actually, we're, we're celebrating his death, which destroyed our sin. In this particular passage, he actually connects it to the way we could be divided among one another. He says, when you take the juice today and you remember Jesus' death, remember that our hostility toward each other was put to death. You want to make a difference? 2022? <laughs> As uh, John Patak starts leading over at Radius White Note. Be the church that loves each other. <laughs> and, and, and not just in the building, not just the people in the building, but the church. Like, let's, let's be the church that loves folks across the lines. It's difficult because most of us don't know who we are unless we can identify who we hate. Be a good thing to pray about right now. Hey, when you uh, take the bread and juice in a few seconds, let me celebrate a little bit. Read this passage. It brings conviction. But as I read it, I just kept thinking of what's happened over the course of 2021 and how proud I am for us fighting for this. Some of us fought harder than others. Some of us are still fighting through some emotions on a variety of subjects. We keep coming back here. We keep pulling out that bread and juice. We keep recentering ourselves around Jesus. That's what we committed to. Really fun to do this with you. Thanks for being a part of Radius. It's, it's a, a pleasure to serve our Savior with you. Let me pray for us. Jesus. Uh, I'm so limited on words. So thank you for your word, the power of your word. I pray that it wash over us this morning. Help us, Lord. Help us stand out uh, in the world that we live in right now, this weary world. By demonstrating this rest that we have on the inside because of our identity with you. I trust you with that. Even now, I want to thank you for all the work you've done in, in this last year and anticipate what you'll do in the following year. And I, I want to ask, Lord, that you would continue to give us favor and keep us together, that we be a church that promotes unity, not uniformity, not that everything has to be the same, but that we promote unity both inside and outside. I'd love it if you'd help us tear down that, that faux church that we build in our heads down the road that we just focus on because we want to be different or better than. We really want to be focused on you. So even as we take bread and juice now, I pray for folks as they consider coming to take it, that they'd have courage to come and take it, that they would make a public statement, that they identify with you, Jesus. When, when they are represented in their community, their first identity is to be called a Christian, one related to you, Christ.
trust you with these words now in your great name, Jesus. Amen.